Leafs podcast. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode on Spotify, SoundCloud, or Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Here's Nick D'Souza and Kevin Papetti. Welcome to the Everything Leafs podcast. I'm Kevin Papetti here with Nick D'Souza, writer at the Leafs Nation. Nick, Leafs are 2-2 two and two since we last recorded. Two wins against Edmonton to complete the sweep. McDavid goes scoreless, and then things took a bit of a turn. Back-to-back losses against Vancouver, uh, but they're 18-6-2 on the season now. Did we learn anything over this last week? Any changes, or is it, is it kind of the same story as, as last week? I think it's the same story. I think it's it's almost like a week of stills. Like The Leafs are still the best team, I think, in this division. Um, they still should add someone at the deadline. I'm sure that we'll talk about that today. That'll probably be the most of the, the podcast today. Um, and I, I thought that even the two games that they lost against Vancouver, like they still outplayed them. And to me, it almost, I don't know if this is like a hot take, but it almost made those wins against Edmonton even more impressive. Like after they lost that game with when Hutchinson was in net, it kind of hit me. I was like, whoa, like they won those games against Edmonton with Hutchinson and net their third string goalie. Plus they had the injuries plus everything else going on with the back-to-backs and, and their schedules. So I don't know. It almost made those games against Edmonton more more impressive but uh i don't know i think they just got goalied in those two games they still looked pretty good um and then special teams they, they just didn't really get the power play going in those games but i mean it is what it is you know they won so many one goal games uh early in the season i think sometimes those are just going to turn around and i think we saw that in the last two games yeah i think with with the edmonton sweep it was quite impressive the defensive effort to shut mcdavid down for three straight um i'll say that the, the losses against vancouver like there was one on the back-to-back where they just looked a little bit tired. And then, as you said, they got they ran into a pretty good goalie in, in their last game. It's not like they're, they're going to face Vancouver in the playoffs. So, you know, how they play against Vancouver doesn't really matter. Um, and, and I think they kind of proved at the, at the start of the week to kind of, you know, we're not panicked yet. Maybe if they go off, if they lose another two or three, we might start to panic. But right now, uh, things are still good. I think the defense is, is certainly still good. Um, I think Nylander had a big week, and the second line had a pretty good week. I would say the first line with Thornton, you know, maybe not the same week. Matthews, I think, has gone seven games without scoring. Um, five of those he played, two of them he did not. Uh, obviously, you know, with the wrist injury, I think that's maybe the biggest concern right now. But all in all, I think, as you said, not much has changed. Um, I'll give you the choice here, Nick. We can either do the trade deadline today, or we could really break down that Oprah interview. Uh, I'll leave it up to you. What do you want to do? We're going trade deadline. I actually didn't watch the Oprah interview. That's why. Okay. Okay. I well, you could have thrown a curveball my way there. So, and I will admit I was more prepared for the trade deadline. Was there any Marley's talk during it or no? There wasn't much. There wasn't much. Um, I think you could imply a few things, but it was <laughs> uh, Oprah still the best interviewer, I think. So that was my takeaway from that. Uh, but it turns to the trade deadline, Nick. So as I said, they're 18-6-2. And, um, and it seems like the trade deadline is almost now this year. Because of the quarantine process of 14 days, because it is a shortened season, it looks like, and I, if I have this right, there's about 15 games after the trade deadline and about eight if you acquire a player that needs a two-week quarantine. So it does seem like we might see moves made sooner rather than later. We've certainly seen that in the past with last year's Jack Campbell-Kyle Clifford trade. 
And in the previous season, we saw it with the Jake Muzzin trade. And especially this year, I think we might see it early. Um, but let's start just very simple here. Do you want someone at the deadline? Or would you rather, I guess, stay put? Or are you in the, in the class that says we don't need anything? I definitely want something, someone. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not a huge kind of believer in this whole, like, like Dubis needs to watch the Leafs and the Leafs need to prove to Dubis that they're a team that can contend before you add someone. Like, I think going into the season, we knew that this was going to be a very important season for the Leafs. Obviously, you don't have Boston in the division. You don't have Tampa. And you should be considerably better than, well, definitely better than in, in past divisions. Like, the Leafs are the best team in this division. So, obviously now, like, we've seen what's happened where, like, they've got a really good shot at getting to the conference finals. And at this point, like, you want to have your best team possible going into the conference finals. So I definitely want someone. Um, and I guess I'll throw it back at you here. Like, you know, I think we're going to be on the same page here. Like, But just in case, do you want to touch this defense? Because I've seen, like, a few things online where they're like, let's try and get a defenseman, like, a top four defenseman. Like, would you touch this defense at all? Or are we strictly looking at forwards? Because I know both of us, you know, want a forward. But would you touch this defense? Okay, so two things here. First, I agree with you that I want someone at the deadline. This is their best chance to make the conference finals, if not you know, the Stanley Cup final, uh, because it is a weaker division. You don't know if you're going to run into Boston or Tampa in the first round next year. And even though you're the best team in the division, you want to be as heavy of a favorite as possible. You want to have some leeway where, let's say John Tavares is hurt come playoff time, you still want to have a good enough team to be considered the favorite, kind of like Tampa is with Kucherov out. So I, I think right now you need to make an addition. This is the time to go for it. Trade some futures in exchange for a player that, that moves the needle this year and, and take a serious run at it. I think I'll be disappointed if they don't. Like, I think for Dubas, if he does nothing and they go out first round, I think there are some, some you know, there will be some blame there. Like, why didn't you make an addition? But... You know, if he makes a serious if he makes a serious addition and they they still don't make it out of the first round, well, you know, I don't blame him. Right? He's he kind of pulled the the right cards this year and, and you know made a lot of good additions. But in terms of defense, I wouldn't touch it. You know, I think with a player like say it's Ekholm, like I think you have to be interested. I'm interested in improving this team any way possible, but right now you have three pairings at work. You have quite a bit of depth, whether it's Lettinen, Sandine, once he's healthy. Uh, Timothy Lilligren, I wouldn't even be shocked if Maroon's in play at some point if there's injuries. Um, you do have quite a lot of options, and I just I don't think that's a priority. I think forward's going to be the priority. Uh, of course, I'm open to someone like at home, but it'd have to be the perfect deal. I, I, I think we can agree that it's a forward. Yeah, I, I wanted to get that out of the way um, to address that because I'm on the same page there 100%. Don't touch this defense right now unless you're really moving the needle. Um, and I mean, this is the best defense they've seen in, in quite a while. And I think probably, you know, arguably the best top four in the division. So I wouldn't touch that. It's working right now. You have a real top four and you have a pretty good third pairing. So it's definitely a forward. Yeah. And I think I see some weird, I've been reading way too many comments online lately, but there are some people that'll be like, we don't need more offense. Yes, they do. <laughs> they certainly do. They have a good defense. They've had very good in terms of goals against. They need to make sure that they have some offensive firepower, not just the top line. They need to make sure that second line is not just okay, but good. They need to make sure that third line is not just okay, but good. 
Like they need one more player. I don't know if it's going to be a star or someone who's maybe like a 50 point forward. We'll get to that in a minute. But one more thing I want to get it out of the way is whether you go the rental route or you go for someone with control. And we know Dubas in the past has gone with the Jake Muzzin trade and the Jack Campbell trade, which weren't pure rentals. I think that's the preference, not just for Dubas, but for everyone. Um, control is always ideal. It's almost like going to Costco where you know, you'll pay one and a half times the price for double the amount. Like, I, I think that's kind of a no-brainer. The problem is, is that it's going to be <laughs> difficult to pull off. Like, let's put Philip Forsberg, for example. You're probably going to need retention to do that. Almost definitely going to need retention to do that. It is going to be more difficult to get someone to retain for two years rather than one year. And whenever it's someone with control, the team is less desperate to trade the player. There's the, the, like there's a chance Philip Forsberg stays in, in Nashville. Whereas with a rental, there's way more likely that they move. So I do think that Dubis will look at rentals. I think this team is good enough to look at rentals. I remember when they went out, you know, and I remember with James Van Riemsdyk's last year, I didn't think they were good enough to go for a rental. This year, I do think they are good enough to go for a rental if they don't find the perfect deal with, with someone with control. Yeah. So, okay. So first off, I actually haven't been on Twitter very much these last few days. So the most recent, I guess, like musings or or news, I haven't been up to it in terms of like what, you know, fans are saying and what people on Twitter are saying. So I'm actually surprised that people are like, don't want to forward because like, I think most do, most do, but there are some that are, that are saying, you know, I guess you always get that. Yeah. yeah, well, those people are living in 2017 right now. But, um, you know, I, I think any time that you are able to, one, compete to win a Stanley Cup, and you're, like, every year we see that there's about seven, I would say, six or seven teams every year that are very good and are kind of, like, in your kind of elite status in the league. And one of those six teams, usually the one that gets the best puck luck, who kind of hits a... a you know, hot play and has good goaltending, those are usually the ones who win the cup um, if they kind of hit their stride in the playoffs. And I think the, the Leafs are definitely one of those six teams. So six or seven, let's say. And so, yes, you definitely want to be at your best. Now, when it comes to the rental versus versus control. someone with control, it's... I'm a bit... I don't mind them going either route for a forward, but I'll say this. If they're going to get a rental this year, it needs to be someone who moves the needle. And it needs to be bet is someone who can come in and make this team, you know, they don't need to be a complete superstar, but they need to move the needle. They need to be better than a guy like, let's say, Kerfoot. Like, I, I see some things where it's like, and I know we're going to talk about the third line center versus the, the winger um, soon, but, you know... I just think it has to be someone that really moves the needle. Whereas if you get someone with control, I don't mind them kind of getting a player that is a lot like like the players they already have, for example. Um, like, for example, like they, right now they have like their top four guys. Then let's say Zach Hyman. And then after that, like, like I don't want them to come in and, and bring in a guy who's at the level of, let's say, even like Mikheyev. You know, mm-hmm. like they have guys like that and definitely not a guy like at the level of like, like your Simmons, Boyd, Spezza, like those types of guys. Like you want someone who is going to be a legitimate top six winger or if it's going to be a third line center and it's a rental, they got to make that third line a lot better. 
So that's what I'll say about those two. Um, but again, obviously when it is a rental, it's, I mean, when it's, when it's someone with control, they're going to have, like, obviously you're going to have to, to, to trade a little bit more because you're getting more from that player. Plus the, the urgency of them to move it, to move the player is not going to be that high. So I definitely think that Dubis has his work cut out for him, but I think he definitely needs to make a move because this team is kind of, I mean, they, they've got a heck of an opportunity this year. Yeah, and I, I think the whole, you know, Dubis doesn't like rentals thing is overblown. Like, first, he hasn't really had a team this good before. And second, it's tough to pull that trade off. Every GM in the league would rather avoid a rental and get the same player for longer. It's just a t- you have to give up more most of the time. Like, he made a really strong move for Jake Muzzin, but it, it, that doesn't happen every year. Like, that player's not always available. And, and those were good trades, like that, like that Muzzin deal. Very good. Like trade. he was almost better than like that was a, a home run because you got a guy that literally helped them this year, that year, sorry, and moved the needle a lot that year. Plus he had control. It's almost like, you know, even if that was a rental, and let's say, I mean, obviously I'd want them to extend Muzzin, especially after seeing how he's played and everything. But that was just a complete home run. So I do agree. Like I, I think that. Dubis, like, I don't think he dislikes rentals, but obviously he prefers not to. But, I mean, like, we, we've seen this team, like, in 2017, like, they, they traded for a rental in Brian Boyle, a fourth-line center, and they traded their second-round pick. So, and Placanic after that. Yeah, and Placanic after that. So, like, I think Dubis has, has kind of been around where there's been some bad trades for, for rentals for, like, fourth-line centers. Right, but the difference between this team and those teams is... Oh, huge. Yeah. Huge. And then yeah. also, you know, he did go out and get Kyle Clifford last year as a rental. Now, it's tough to say how much he gave out because Jack Campbell, who wasn't a rental, was also in that trade. But that right. was a bit of a rental move. Um, I think you do... I Like, I cannot emphasize this enough. They need to get better. Like, I think Montreal's a pretty good team. Like, what if Montreal adds a star at the deadline what if winnipeg adds a star like we don't know what the other teams are going to do and if you do nothing like teams can catch up montreal has cool caulfield who could really help their power play maybe they put him in a fourth line spot like montreal is such a good five and five team where if they get that power play going whether it's caulfield or whether it's just internal or whether it's a trade you know that team can catch up to the leafs in a hurry and that's before injuries like i want to have I want to be the favorite, as I said, if Tavares is out, if Nylander's out, if Marner's out, I still want to be considered the favorite. So I do want to make a move. And you just don't know, like, you look at Tampa this year, Kucherov missed the whole year. Like, you don't know if that's going to be you next year, right? So the time is now. Uh, You got Hyman, Anderson expiring after this year. It's tough to know if the roster will be quite as good next year. Time is now to make a move. And I want to get into that center versus winger debate that we were kind of alluding to earlier. There's a lot of people who want a third line center. And can I, can I quickly? I'm gonna just touch upon that time is now thing. I, I think that Dubis does have, like, I don't expect him to trade a guy like, like even like Sandy Lilligren for this guy, um, for this winger. Like, I don't think Sandy Lilligren's gonna be in it. I don't think Robertson's gonna be in this deal. Obviously, that's kind of the obstacle he has to kind of jump around is getting this winger or center or whatever the forward without giving up one of their top, let's say, three prospects. Maybe Lilligren's involved, but I don't think Sandine Robertson and probably not Amirov is involved in this. So I do think the time is now, but 
like the time is now to improve your team because you have such a good opportunity and you can do it. You have the prospects to actually make a deal and the picks to actually get better this year without giving up your top three prospects. So that's the kind of caveat I want to put on that. But Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm just adding on here. Robertson, Sandina, Mirab, and I'll add Lilligren. None of them I would trade for a rental. Any rental. Um, yeah, I, I've seen Lilligren. I, I agree with that. I think Lilligren, the player would have maybe, to be really good. Yeah, the player would have to be really good. I don't think for a rental, though. And control. I yeah, yeah, no, not for a rental. I would pick no. route. Um, yeah. it, it, maybe for Lilligren might be in for a guy with 1.5 years, but again, I don't know if Lilligren's an overvalued asset. I don't think he is, so I'd probably rather just give up other prospects and or the picks. But yeah, um, into this 3C thing, like a lot of people want yeah. a third line center rather than a winger, and I just don't know. Like in general, every team would rather have an equip. Like if you have a choice between two equivalent players center or winger you're going to take the center like we see team canada it's got like 10 11 centers i I just think when you when you look at who's available there's just not many players who are better than kerfoot as that third line center like there's eric stahl's the obvious one but he is on the older end and if he did get rental if you did get eric stahl he might play the wing right like that's what thornton's doing Uh, it's tough to say how good he is at this stage of his career um, and then you look at like Granlund, who's primarily a winger, who's just kind of starting to play center this year a little bit more. You know, I think he's a little bit better than 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 Kerfoot at center, but I don't know if it's a huge upgrade, one that I'm willing to pay a ton for. Um, those are kind of the two only guys I see as the third line centers. After that, there's there's it's a really bare market. I don't really think Getzlav's a fit. And, like, if their biggest move is, like, Nemestikov or Halla or Riley Shahan or Soderberg, maybe that's a secondary move, but that's not going to be the primary move. I am looking for a needle mover. I think, for me, Granlin and Stahl are kind of at the lower end of what I'm looking for. My big problem, and, and to add to what you're saying, is that, like you said, there's just, not only is there not that many guys better than Kerfoot, but there's not many third-line centers who, one, are cheap, so you need them to retain, so you're gonna trade more. There's not many that are, you know, that are cheap. Plus they're controlled. Plus they're actually better than Kerfoot, and they have to be available at the deadline, you know, coming from a team that's not very good. So like you said, after Stall and, and Grandland, who right now is pretty much playing wing, he's played a little bit of center, especially in the past couple of weeks. But there's just not that many options, I, I think. And then the other thing is. I was talking to Nick Richard, who's also with Leafs Nation, and we were kind of talking about about it. And we were talking about centers that have played on um, Stanley Cup champions in the past. And I'm just going to kind of name them here. So so right now it's like, you know, I've seen a lot that people are saying that, you know, Kerfoot and Engvall aren't really your prototypical centers that you would think as a third-line center for a Stanley Cup winner. But then when we actually looked into it, so here are the last third-line centers. You had... You had Sorelli, who's a very good third-line center. Yep. After that, it's it's Bozak, Eller, who I think is a pretty good third-line center. I don't think he's a cadre in that role. But then there was Benino, Benino again, because of Pittsburgh twice, and then Anton Vermette. Like, other than Sorelli, I don't think any of those guys are, like, second-line centers like Kadri was. And I think sometimes... Sorelli, in... that's it. Sorelli, yeah, yeah just Sorelli. Second, yeah, I don't know who the third. Yeah, no, maybe Gord. 
but yeah, yeah that's other the than one Sorelli, exception. though, yeah, it's like Bozak, Eller, Benino, and Vermette. Like none of those guys are like on Kadri's level. I think I don't think any of them carry a second line or even are a good second line um, center. So, like I think that, and then the other thing when it comes to center versus the winger is giving them a winger. If if they're able to get a winger, I just think you have so much more flexibility because. Right now, if you get a let's say you get a third line center and you trade Engvall and you keep Kerfoot, you're pretty much saying that that second line of Kerfoot, Nylander, and Tavares is your second line going into the playoffs. And like, I personally wouldn't be too comfortable with that. Like, I'd rather have, let's say, a Mikael Granlin who you can put next to, to Tavares and Nylander, who I think makes that second line like a very, very good second line. Or you could bring him down to the third line, put Hyman in that role, and then you have a very good third line with, let's say, Kerfoot, um, Granlund, and Mikheyev. So I just think you have more flexibility if you have a winger. Now, obviously, a guy like Eric Stahl could play wing, but I personally would rather have Granlund between those two. Yeah, I I think it's close. Um, I think at the end of the day, like the best wingers available are going to be better than the best centers available. And it's going to be a pretty significant difference. And maybe if you really like Granlin at center and you, you, you think he's best there, maybe. But I think the winger's more likely just because there's better wingers available and there's more of them available. So I, I think you could go either way. I think the one guy I want to talk about next is actually a Toronto Maple Leaf, which is Alex Kerfoot, because he is going to be a big part of the Leafs deadline decision. It almost feels like the Leafs are an NBA team. So, you know, maybe Kyle Dubas needs to go talk to Masai Ujiri because it's almost like a dollar in dollar out mentality. Like ESPN has this ES- NBA trade machine where you, you put the players in the deal and it tells you if the deal would work. And that's kind of what this is. Like they, they aren't accumulating enough cap space. They could get someone very cheap and keep Kerfoot. Um, but they'd probably have to run a shortened roster. But like, if, if they want anyone over, say, $5 million, they're going to have to put Kerfoot in the deal. And it, I think a, a big part of this is going to be, okay, how, how good do you think Kerfoot is? Like, are you, let's put it this way, are you comfortable moving Kerfoot for a rental? That's the first question. Second question, are you happy if he's your second-line left winger in the first game of the playoffs? Exactly, yeah. No, no I, I'm asking you, like, are you... Oh, sorry, uh, so say the question again. Okay, two questions. Can't even remember them now. Let's start with this one. Is he good, like, <laughs> are you happy if he's your second line left winger in game one of the playoffs? This year, I don't think so, and that's no slight on on Kerfoot. Um, I think that since he's gone, gone up with Tavares and Nylander, I think that line's really looked good, and... It makes sense. I mean, we talked about this weeks ago where we said, you know, it makes sense to put two good transition guys with Tavares to get him into the offensive zone. And it's no surprise that Kerfoot being on that line along with Nylander has made that line look a lot better. But in saying that, like, I would want a guy who's good in transition who can also help kind of with the creativity and kind of another finisher to go with with Tavares, like a guy that can kind of do it all. Uh, Grandland comes to mind. I think that's kind of the obvious answer there. A guy that can kind of do it all. He can, he can score. He can pass. He can do well in transition. 
almost like a like a better version of Kerfoot, I'd say. But so that'd be the answer to that. I think that this year you have an opportunity to improve that's that second line left winger. Whether you trade Kerfoot or not, I'm not really sure to do that, but I think they have an opportunity to get a better player there. Yeah, so with him I'm gonna say I think he's a fine third line center and I think he's a below average second line of winger. Um he doesn't shoot, so he had a nice assist in the last game on Tavares where he tipped the puck in the neutral zone to Tavares before that slap shot goal. But before that, he had gone six straight games with no points and no shots on goal. Now, he is a good transition player. He's a fine playmaker. He's fine defensively, but he does not shoot. And... He's not much of a goal scorer. I don't think he's an elite playmaker. Like it's not like when he was on that third line, they were driving a ton of offense. You know, he is fine defensively, but the problem is, is that he's the guy that you need to to trade if you're going to get someone of, you know, with a five million plus salary. Um, it, it's just you can't make it. You can't go out and get a Philip Forsberg without including Kerfoot. And I do think I am willing to trade him even for a rental because. You know, you look at the free agent market last year with someone like Craig Smith, and it's kind of like what we were thinking with Andreas Janssen or Kasperi Kapanen. Yes, they're good players, but similar players on are, are going on the open market for around that. So there's not a ton of surplus value there. Um, I don't think Kerfoot has negative value. I'm guessing it's it's kind of similar to what Janssen was. Now, Janssen was coming off a major injury. Um, he did maybe have, I don't know, like maybe a little bit more scoring touch but Ben Kerfoot yeah yeah I, yeah definitely he did but I just think that he was he was having some pretty terrible luck um when they did trade him and like the year before they traded him so it's probably closer to Kerfoot like maybe in the eyes of other GMs uh yeah I, I think I think you can get a second round pick for Kerfoot I think he does have positive trade value um, yeah definitely definitely positive yeah yeah okay so if if you are getting a big name, he has to be in it. Like that's that's just the only way to make it work. They're not trading Morgan Riley right now. I'd be shocked. Um, they're not trading Nylander, despite what some people on Twitter might think. Um, and I just don't think he's like I do want to get better. I, if there's an opportunity to get better, I want to take advantage of that. And I I, I would consider moving him. Um, so let's let's play a bit of a game here and. So if you do move Kerfoot, and how many players, let's say, out of the five that we were talking about earlier before the podcast, um, so those five guys were were Hall, Taylor Hall, Paul Mary, Grandland, Eric Stahl, and who was the last one? Philip Forsberg. Um, Philip Forsberg. Okay, so out of those five, who would you move Kerfoot for in the deal? So pretty much, how good does that player need to be if you're going to move Kerfoot? Okay, so I'm going to, yeah, I'll answer that and kind of throw another question back at you here. Right. In a similar, like if you're giving up, say it's just Kerfoot the trade, which isn't going to be realistic for some of these, but if it's just Kerfoot, the first guy I'm looking at would be Philip Forsberg, who would need retention, but that's the one, either the best player or the second best player, and he has an extra year. So he's kind of number one on my list. Absolutely, Kerfoot's in there. I think with Taylor Hall, I do think we'll get to him in a sec because, boy, is he ever controversial. But I would 
as someone who won a Hart Trophy more recently than Connor McDavid, yes, I would put him in a Taylor Hall deal. Assuming you would need, again, you would need retention on Hall. You pretty much need retention on everyone. Um, Kyle Palmieri, yeah, I think I would. Um, That's one for one, though. Yeah, one for one, I would I would okay. put Kerfoot in. I, I, like, what you add to that, I don't know. I think with Granlund, now I'm at the point where... Granlin and Stahl, I think I'm at the point where it's okay. Am I really want to give up three years for Kerfoot for one of these guys? I don't know. Uh, those guys you might be able to get under the cap if, if you're creative. Like You might have to get rid of like a VZ, for example, and get full retention. It's going to be really tight. Um, it might take a lot of creativity, but those guys I don't think I'd, I'd include for, for Kerfoot. Are you at the same? Are you on the same page, or are we off on one? Um the Paul Mary one. I'm actually still debating it now. Um, I didn't think about this question before I threw it at you. So I'm on the fly here too. <laughs> that one's um, close. That one's closer. I think but... it's close. I, I just don't like the fact that like, like Paul Mary is pretty much a rental too. Right. And like, I, I do think Kerfoot's a good player. I really like what he brings on the defensive end as well. So I don't think I would do that one for one, even though I think Paul is probably the better player, but uh, just like the two extra years you get from Kerfoot, but like Hall and, and Forsberg, like, I don't even think twice about that. Okay. So let's get in. So I've written articles about two players so far. Far The first one was on Philip Forsberg. The second was on Taylor Hall. To me, they are very similar players. They're first line, left wingers. They, they actually shoot different ways. So Forsberg shoots right, Hall shoots left. But if that wasn't the case, I think you could switch jerseys and 50% of Leafs fans wouldn't know the difference. Um, they're both guys that are capable of 70 plus point seasons. They're both guys that generate a lot of takeaways. Uh, they both have very similar results in terms of things like RAPM. Uh, they have similar numbers over the course of their career. You know, they're almost twins statistically. And when I wrote the Forsberg article, um, that one is a little bit more of a long shot. I will admit it's one and a half years and you need retention. So you need buy-in either from the Predators or another team that's going to retain. You need to pay extra for that. And it's not a guarantee Forsberg gets moved, right? Like they could keep him. Um, right. There's certainly a chance that Forsberg's a, a Predator for the rest of his career or at least for the rest of the season. So I think first and foremost, Dubas will call Nashville and say, okay, What's it take to get Forsberg at 50% retention or, or the, the, I guess, whatever retention you need, 50% being the max? Um, is that price something I'm willing to pay? I think it is unlikely. I think that one is a bit of a reach um, because it is because you need the, the one and a half years of retention. And you'd, I think they might be asking at that point for an Amirov, for a... Lilligren. Now, I do still still think Divas might consider it for one and a half years, but that one's going to be a tougher pill that you're going to have to pay, and it does assume that Nashville retains. Taylor Hall, on the other hand, who's a very similar player, you know, I was hearing things that he's cursed, that you know he's never going to win um, about his goal total this year because he's shooting like two percent. Um, people really don't. There's a lot. Okay, He's a very controversial person, I'll say, Taylor Hall. There's a lot of people that are have very strong opinions about him, and you know, I was I was kind of getting a good laugh at uh, some of the some of the Hall things. Like, if you want a third line center more than Taylor Hall, like get out of here. Come on, this is well, a hard I mean, trophy like, right, winner. But, 
I don't know. Are are you surprised? Like like how much people care about team effects and 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 not even team effects. Sorry, team results when they're when they're you know analyzing individual players. Okay, if you're ten or younger, I give you a pass because you didn't watch <laughs> the first six years of his career in Edmonton. Those teams were terrible, terrible. Oh, New Jer- yeah, and, and New and Jersey, he carried New Jersey when he. New Jersey was bad. You take no, Hollywood. no, no. Sorry, like, but he was he was amazing. He Taylor was amazing. Hall himself. The rest yeah, of the yeah. team was terrible, and oh, then sure. of yeah. course he gets traded to, you know, a quote unquote contender, which was Arizona. And they won the series against Nashville to get in the playoffs. So if he's cursed, like, what does that make Leafs fans? Leafs fans haven't won a series. At least he's won a series. I don't think as Leafs fans we can call anyone cursed at this point. We're the cursed ones. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. With with with, I, I definitely think they're both great players. I with Hall, his last two seasons, of like, I mean, this year I don't really put too much into the data and stuff like that. The underlying. Like Short, the different charts sample. and stuff that are out there. Yeah, it's a small sample. I don't really put too much into it. But but last year, he, he was pretty bad defensively, according to like even Hockey Viz's um, heat maps. I, I mean, he played with New Jersey and Arizona, so I do think there maybe was a little bit of, of team effect. So just because of that, like I think overall, in terms of play driving, I still would probably give Philip Forsberg. Like, Philip Forsberg is a very good player in terms of t- uh, play driving. Um, even defensively, like They're he's pretty very similar. Oh, Hall before. Similar. Hall before that last year, like last year, hopefully was just like kind of a, a, um, like a kind of a an, an outlier. Because like this year he's he's pretty good again, uh, even though it's a small sample. But other than that, like Hall's been very good. Bottom line is Hall and Forsberg are both very good players. So like yeah. if you get them on this Leafs team, like like look out. I I think that that top six, like you could even break up that second line and put you know Nylander or Hall on a third line and split up the lines and you're looking at a top nine that looks amazing okay um, we'll get there but yeah but I mean I would easily put Kerfoot in that deal when it comes to Lilligren, I think not for a rent def- for me it's not for Hall yeah not for Hall but I mean the deal that I, I can't think of it off the top of my head like like the deal that Hall got traded for last year yeah I'll tell you it was. You have so it on the, the top of your head? Or you have yeah, it in front pretty of you? close. I, I wrote an article on it, so I'm pretty close. So I think it's a first-round pick. Um, the, the the catch is Blake Spears went along with Hall, who's you know kind of a, a tweener NHL prospect, I'll call him. Um, it was Kevin Ball, who's a, a big defenseman. I believe he played in the Canadian World Junior team. I'm less high on him than, than others. Um, it was Nick Merkley, um, oh, okay. and, and it was this a prospect named Nate Schnarr. So it was... And, and his value isn't as high this year because he's one year removed, more removed from his MVP year. Um, he, he hasn't got up to the best start in Buffalo. And there's just there's less teams that can take on money this year. Um, and, and it looks like less buyers at the deadline. So the trade value is not going to be quite as high um, because he does have two goals in 23 games. I will say that, you know, in terms of Forsberg's the better piece because of the control. If we're saying who's the better player, I think it's close. Um, I don't know which way I'd lean. Um, Hall has gotten it done in the playoffs too. Like he had six points in nine games last year. That's fine. He was actually over point per game with New Jersey at, at six po- six points in five games. He's won five gold medals. He won the Memorial Cup twice in three years in junior. Like he could win. Those Edmonton teams are just terrible. He's he's never played on a good team, and then he decided to sign in Buffalo. So, you know, he, he deserves some, some flack for, for signing in Buffalo when he was trying to win. But other than that, like, 
he's a guy that, that could certainly win. And I, I had tweeted it out, Nick. He actually lived in Austin Matthews' house during uh, when he was in Arizona, uh, oh. when he was a coyote. And then he trains with Tavares in the summers. So they, um, oh, they the conspiracy theory, You're like a uh, getting the conspiracy He's got a house in Toronto. Going. He's got a he's got a house in Toronto as well. So he, <laughs> he played with Spezza for Team Canada at the World Championships, I believe. He played with Simmons last year in New Jersey. Uh, I don't know if he he crossed paths with Anderson or if Anderson got called up afterwards. But you know, he he certainly I, I guarantee you he's met Thornton plenty of times. If they need to, to learn about same agent as Marner, I'm sure these guys know him. If they need to, you know, I'm sure Dubas, if he wants to get a read on Hall, can go to Tavares and say, hey, what do you think of Hall? You know, is, is this someone we should bring in or should we look at someone like a, a Paul Mary instead? Yeah, well, I'm hoping Dubas doesn't have to have that conversation to figure out that Hall is a good player. But, um, yeah, I, I definitely think Hall would be interested because he does have... Is it a modified no trade or is it an actual no move? He has a uh, no move. I don't know how many no teams move, he can yeah. say no to. I think he has all the power, basically. The only thing is, I don't know if yeah, in terms of that, I just don't know if Buffalo would like how tough they'd be on the Leafs. Um, like, I don't think there's a big rivalry, but I just the that team is such a tire fire right now that they just keep losing, and it feels like if they traded Hall, like I don't even know how those fans are still there right now. But if they traded Hall and then Eichel does, is, is one superstar less than he had before. Like I, I, I don't even know what they would do over there. That's the only thing that's like the limiting factor is if Buffalo is like looking to trade a guy like that, or if you want to just test the free agency with him. Okay, so I addressed this in my article, so I'll, I'll rehash it here. They have 15 points in 23 games. They're already way out. Like they're 14 points out of a playoff spot right now, and they would have to pass four teams so they're completely out he's a rental like he's a free agent after this year if they trade him to the Leafs the Leafs probably can't re-sign him anyway so they could still re-sign him next year um the other thing is like this is kind of the time to help the Leafs out like you don't have to play them this year if you can hurt the future Leafs when you might be in their division and I think that's something you look at if you're Buffalo like sure help out the Leafs this year when you don't have to face them and then Next year, they're they're a little bit worse in in terms of future. So, I do, I, I was listening. I to hope Frank. they look at it that way. For, well, for... the other thing was Frank Saravalli was saying like he doesn't see a way that Hall isn't moved at this point, right? Like it does seem like he's on the way out, and so it, it does seem like he is going to get traded. We'll see. Maybe that's not the case. Um, and I do think Alex Kerfoot would help them out. So if I look at Bu- Buffalo's roster. Eric Stahl is A, I think he's 35, and B, he's a pending unrestricted free agent. And personally, I prefer Dylan Cousin on the wing, especially at this stage of his career. Um, And then after Eichel, they don't really have much behind him in terms of centers. Like, Reinhardt primarily plays wing. And and, and you just look at that roster. There's a lot of weaker players. The other thing with Kerfoot is, you know, I think you could help, like, if you're Buffalo, I think you're trying to get a player who can help you next year. I don't think you're looking at picks, especially a late first rounder, that, you know, is going to help you three, four years from now. I think there's more urgency. So I do think a player like Kerfoot that could step in their lineup immediately, maybe a prospect like Hollander or, or Joey Anderson that can make their roster, you know, next year, those guys could help them immediately. And Buffalo has very poor forward depth. 
those guys could legitimately help them. So I do think it's just a good fit uh, in terms of, you know, what Kerfoot can bring. He can play the wing. He can play center. He's fine defensively. Um, you know, there's not a lot of good centers this offseason, like in the free agent market, that are going to be lining up to play in, in, in Buffalo. Um, they do generally have to pay extra. And Kerfoot's a player whose his, his contract was a bit front-loaded. So uh, in terms of, you know, actual salary, it is a bit of a, a little bit of a bargain that way. So I just think it's a good fit. Um I, I guess I where I'm at. Special teams, like he's a serviceable guy. Yeah, he's he's a bit of a Swiss Army knife. Um, I guess in there's there's a couple things I want to ask you. One is if you trade Kerfoot, your center debt, like if you trade Kerfoot specifically for a winger. So let's say Philip Forsberg, Taylor Hall, Kyle Palmieri, those guys are wingers. Your center depth obviously gets a little bit weaker. So I guess A is are you comfortable doing that? And for me, it's yes. Now, I don't love it, but for me, like, you know, Matthews, Tavares are your one and two. I think Engvall has been pretty good as a third line center. And, you know, you have so many different options there. You could potentially move Boyd up. He was the third line center on on Washington uh, during the play-in series last year. You could move Nylander there if you really wanted to. You could move Thornton there, who's played it his whole career you could maybe move Spezza there. You know, it's not perfect, but you I guess you could also go out and get someone like Soderberg on a kind of a smaller deal later uh, if you wanted to as well. So, you know, for me, it's it's worth the risk. Uh, yes, you do have to kind of figure things out, but I've liked that, like, I've liked the Mikhaev engvall hyman line enough where I'm certainly willing to consider moving Kerfoot if it is that difference maker, primarily Hall and Forsberg. Especially if you have a top six that you virtually can... Like, you're pretty much the Boston Bruins where you have... Well, Boston had one really, really good line at 5-on-5. Five five, and then the rest were just very low event. They weren't getting scored on. They weren't scoring. And if you get a top six that's literally the Matthews, Marner, Thornton, for example, and then, like, Taylor Hall, Tavares, and Nylander, you're almost like Boston times two where you have two 5-on-5 five five lines that you virtually think that they can dominate against other North Division teams and probably other good teams as well. And you have that the Hemline, who is also very low event, will chip in some goals, but don't really allow very many scoring chances and don't allow very many goals. And a fourth line that's you know better than the majority of fourth lines out there. So if you are really going to marginally improve that, that top six... Like, I have no problems training Kerfoot and having Engvall as a third-line center, a guy that I still think is pretty underrated by this by this fan base just because we haven't seen him in that role before at a, in, a, in a big sample. Um, this is kind of the first time, and, and you know, people are kind of reluctant to give the, him the credit um, that I think that he deserves. I think he's been really good in transition. His reach has really helped him in the defensive zone. Um, he's a good penalty killer. Like, I think he's been really good, and I think... Like, I really like that Keith kind of gave him his props and said that I don't think he even realizes how good of a player is. And, you know, it's so nice to see those types of, you know, comments being made by the coach. Um, so I do think that they believe in him, obviously. I, for what it's worth, I think I believe in him. I think that he's been a good third line center. Um, and, and it is, it's good for what they need that third line to be an energy line, a line that doesn't allow. Um, goals and allow that kind of gives them some some momentum for the other lines. So I, I think I would be okay with that 
being the third line if the top six is that much better. Right, I'm, a, I'm in agreement. And if they do make a big trade, because we do expect it to be soon if it happens, especially Taylor Hall, um, because I don't think they want just eight games of him in the regular season. I think they'd want you know a longer stretch. But if you do, say, trade Kerfoot into Taylor Hall or Philip Forsberg trade, um, then you could look at other centers around the league that are kind of cheaper. Like Nemestikov, we knew that the Leafs had reported interest in him during the offseason. He ended up signing for $2 million a year. If they retain for you know a year and a half, that's $1 million. He could be an option. Um, like He would replace someone like VZ, for example, in terms of cap hit. So it's, again, dollar in, dollar out. Um, you know, maybe someone like like Kelly Yarnrock on uh, on on Nashville, the same contract as Nemestikov. Um, Riley Shahin, maybe Carl Soderberg, one million in Chicago. Like you could explore kind of making a cheaper center addition just to add a little bit more depth if you if you really weren't comfortable. Um, but for me, I'm I'm much more interested in guys that move the dial. Whether it's you know a center or a winger, it seems like it's got to be a winger. Um, for me, Holland Forsberg and Paul Mary move the dial more than Stahl. Um, I am interested in Granlund. I think I'd put him kind of close to Paul Mary, but um, I, I, I think if, if you do have a chance at Hall, he is, he is a game changer. Like, I know he hasn't won. We've gone over that. His teams have been absolutely terrible. Um, it seems like we want to be like, you know, NFL quarterbacks or NBA superstars where the best player, you know, carries your team. That's not what hockey is. It's more like baseball where Mike Trout, who's the best player in the last decade, is I don't even think he's made the playoffs. Um, it is far more like that. You know, if Jack Eichel hasn't won, McDavid I don't think has been out of the first round, uh, Matthews and Marner haven't been out of the first round. It's just not that kind of sport. So I'm in for Hall, um, and we'll get into we'll get into what we'd give up in a sec. But for me, it's, I guess, Forsberg's the 1A. So if I'm Dubas, I'm calling Nashville. I'm saying, okay, what's it cost for Forsberg for a year and a half? Because I'm going to need retention. Then I'm moving on to Taylor Hall because I'd rather have two years than one. And then after that, if, if both of their prices are too high, then I'm looking at someone like one of, Kyle Palmieri, who's strictly a winger, Mikkel Granlund or Eric Stahl, they can play center. So those are our five. You know, maybe someone like Goudreau or Hurdle. I think those are real long shots, so I don't even want to address them at this point. But do do you have the same order as me, where it's Forsberg, Hall, then it's kind of the last three, Palmieri, Granlin, Stahl? Yeah, I'll go 1A, 1B in terms of Forsberg and Hall, um, regardless of which route they go with that. I mean, obviously there's pros and cons to the rental versus the, you know, getting someone with control. Um, so I'll go 1A, 1B. I think both those guys would really improve this team. Uh, Palmieri will be kind of in that second tier, um, and then I'll put I'll put Granlin over Stahl. I, I just I just I agree. Yeah, I don't I don't I'm not a big fan of Stahl. Like them getting him as a rental, and then even even if they do, like I don't know if they'd even want to resign a guy that's 36 years old um, to play third line center that year if the cap hits like even close to what he's at right now. And the um, other thing with the third-line center is, let's say you get Eric Stahl and he plays your third-line center, and then you move Engvall to the wing. Like, Mikhaev, Stahl, Engvall is a fine third line, but, like, what if you just got Taylor Hall and put him on the third line? Like, Taylor Hall can yeah. drive a line. He's done his whole career. He's played on bad teams. Like, that's an unbelievable third line all of a sudden. So you you just take the best player, This is my motto. I might, if it's like Granlund versus Palmieri, I have some questions. I think I'd have to kind of, you know, debate it. But 
Um, I, I do think that Forsberg and Hall are kind of our, our two main ones. And then I wouldn't mind Palmieri. So Palmieri's a guy that is still, I think, a, a needle mover. Um, you know, I would, the, the thing is, is that he's a rental. I would be willing to pay a little bit extra for Taylor Hall rather than Palmieri. And I wouldn't be willing to pay that much more for, for like, Palmieri than, than Granlin. Like, if I can get Granlin for, like, a second and Palmieri is going to cost like a first plus a prospect, I'm, I might be looking at Granlund. Um, and same with Hall. Like if Palmieri's costing a first and, and Hall costs a first plus, you know, not a top prospect, but, you know, maybe like, I don't know, Joey Anderson, Highlander, I'd rather have Hall. Like I'd rather pay that extra. So I guess that's where I'm at. Yeah. Yeah, I'll completely agree with that. I think one question I wanted to ask you is, I think in the past when I've looked at, ever since Dubas kind of took over, it almost felt like in terms of the Leafs prospects, we're kind of shifting to prospects here, that, but still kind of keeping on the, the trading. It, it looks like potentially a prospect might be going the other way. They probably will be involved in some way, if they, especially if they make a big trade here. So when they traded Grundstrom, for example, like I personally wasn't really surprised. I felt like other organizations would really value him more than the Leafs would. And then the same thing with Korshkov. Like I was not surprised when they traded him. Um, the only one that really was surprising to me was that Dursey went the other way um, in the Muzzin deal, but they also got Jake Muzzin, you know, a controlled top four defenseman, one they just, they really needed that at that time, so I wasn't really too surprised, but Dursey felt like a player that this organization was pretty high on and one that had a future in this organization. So that was the only one that was kind of where they treated a guy that I think they had big plans for. So when you look at this current prospect pool, and I want to exclude guys like, you know, kind of like your Marley's slash tweeners. Like I, I want to exclude Dennis Maligan, like Joey Duzak, those types of guys. Which prospect do you think the Leafs would be lower on that other organizations would be higher on than the Leafs that the Leafs would potentially put into a trade that would get a guy like, let's say, Kyle Palmieri or even Taylor Hall in a package? I don't know. I don't know who they're lower on. Um, tough question. I, I I don't think there's maybe a massive difference. Like I do think even when they traded Jersey, they probably liked him. But um, oh, they I, definitely I, liked him. Yeah, I do think they that just drafted him too. I think it's I think Lilligren's probably undervalued right now. So I I probably would avoid moving him. Though it wouldn't shock like if it's Forsberg, you might be in it. Like that, that's just the way it is for him. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if they moved to Highlander or, or Anderson specifically because I do feel like they can get fourth-line players. At, you know, they've done they've done a good job of getting fourth-line guys. I'll, I'll put it at that. Yeah, I think uh, definitely Highlander's in my list. Another guy that would be in my list is like Amiko Kokkinen. Um, sure. Seems like he's kind of like at that. He had a really pretty good World Juniors. Um I don't know how bright his future is with this organization, but I feel like he's the type of guy that, that other organizations might value a little bit more than the Leafs. Uh, well, they did pick them, right? So it's tough to say. I think with, like, I do think they'd move Nimala or uh, Hervinen in these types of trades. Like, they're going to be asked about in, in these kind of deals. I do think that they would be available. Personally, I would like to keep Nimala. I'm pretty high on him. Um, I would be willing to move Hervin in, in a deal for, say, Hall or Forsberg, no doubt in my mind. Um, so I guess in terms of these five guys, 
I want to talk about the lines now. So it's been a bit of a weird week where I actually have a bit of a controversial opinion here. So everyone loves the Mikhaev Engvall Hyman third line. I'm not married to it. I do think it's been good. I have liked it. I just want to say that I think Hyman makes any line better. And I think it's a bigger priority to maximize the, su- the success of Matthews and Tavares. He, what, what Hyman does, we all know his game. He goes in, he forechecks, he wins battles, he gets extra possessions for his team. It, it is Every ch- extra chance you can get Matthews or Tavares is worth more than every extra chance you can get Engvall. So I have liked the line. I have liked the speed and their ability to, to match up against top competition. But I'm not married to it. And you have to really convince me that the top six is great if I'm going to keep them there. Um, the other thing is Thornton's ice time has been a little bit lower as of late. They haven't had a great week that first line um, after getting off to a great start. All I'm going to say is that I still don't know about him. I don't know how comfortable I am with having him on the first line come playoff time. I don't know how good he is yet. I haven't had enough games to kind of evaluate. He's only played with Matthews Marner. We haven't seen him on different lines, so it's been tough to kind of separate his success from the line success as a whole. Um, that's all I'll say there. Like I, I do think that you have a lot of options if you get a Forsberg or a Hall where you know, you can play that player with Matthews. You can play that player with Tavares. Maybe move Hyman up. I just think you have so many options where this team could look really damn good. Yeah, definitely. I think with the Hemline, like, I think people just have different expectations with them. Like, like I think they could go 10 games where they, you know, are over 50% in shot attempts for, or shot attempt differential. And they never score, but they never get scored on. And I think if they bring the energy, I think a lot of people are going to be happy with that line. Whereas I just think the expectations for other lines, for example, are just a little bit different. Like if if the second line does that, like it's going to be on the front page of every single newspaper that that line hasn't scored. But I think with Mikheyev, Engvall, Hyman, like they're so good defensively that people are okay if they don't score. So I would also like to have... Like, I would like them to score a little bit more. Um, I would like to have a third line that's pretty good defensively, plus can, you know, chip in offensively, which I think they have to a certain extent, but I, I just wouldn't trust them over a, a, a huge sample. So I agree that I am also not really married to them per se. But in saying that, like, I'm also pretty comfortable with that being your third line in the playoffs if that top six is loaded. Same. So I think that it almost reminds me of the Marley's shutdown line when they won the Calder, which was Greening. I say this like every podcast. Greening. They deserve it. I love that line too. (laughs) They were were so big too. (laughs) So Pierre Engvall was on that line. It was with Greening and Gauthier, who for all his faults was a pretty good shutdown line center at the AHL level. So that third line played against, you know, they got some tough minutes and then lines one, two, and four scored in bunches. And, if, if you do get someone like Hall, let's say, you know, let's say the Thornton experiment works on the first line, and then you throw Hall on a line with Tavares, you can put Forsberg there if you want, Hall or Forsberg on a line with Tavares Nylander. That line should score in bunches. So now you kind of have, you hope that you have a 1A, a 1B, you throw this, you know, power line out there, and then you, you do expect quite a bit of offense from, you know, Spezza and, and Boyd. So far, so good there. So, and then you have Simmons returning as well. So, you know, maybe that's an option. I also wouldn't mind 
you know, moving Hyman up, maybe you put Simmons on that line. It's still, you know, pretty fast, um, you know, pretty physical. And, and you almost make that your fourth line kind of thing. So it, it is, you do have some options. We'll see what happens. Uh, I wouldn't mind, you know, Hyman's a top six forward. So him going to the third line, it better be a good third line. Um, it's almost like if you put Nylander to the third line, yes, it better be a good third line. So I just think you have so many options if you get a, if you get another star player like a Forsberg or a Hall. Um, even a Paul Mary would be cool. Um, but I do think they need someone because Montreal scares me. That is a good 5-on-5 team. If they add a Caulfield, like what if they add Taylor Hall or what if they add Kyle <laughs> Paul Mary? If that team figures out their power play and they have a new coaching staff, they might get Caulfield, they might get someone like Hall or Primary. If that's a good 5-on-5 team with a great power, like if, if they can figure out their power play and turn into a top 10 power play, and then, you know, maybe Price gets hot, maybe Jake Allen just continues doing what he's doing, like that that could be a very good team. So I do think the Leafs need to get better because I don't think you can you can just, you know, stand pat right now. Yeah, I, I, I guess that'll kind of bring us into, uh, I know the question that you wanted to ask um, from the limited prep that we, we did today. Uh, but um, so so would Montreal be the team that scares you the most in this division? Um, whatever, almost halfway through the season. Yes. So I know last week we said which team do we want to face, and I think we ended up on Edmonton or at least one of the Alberta teams. But in which which actually ended up being pretty, it, it's aged pretty well because they ended up sweeping Edmonton. Um, but I, I think in terms of. At Montreal scares me the most because they're the best at 5-on-5, five five, and I think they're a team that at the deadline could improve significantly because they just need to figure out the power play. They're already good at 5-on-5. Five five. Um, and they've been pretty good this year. They're actually the third-best team by points percentage in the division, despite Price. I think he's under 900 right now. So if he figures it out or if they just go to Allen completely, this team could get even better. Um, and I just think whether, like, they have tons of picks, too. If you look at them, they have, like, just a bazillion picks. So I think they're certainly a team that could look to add. The pressure's on. They've already fired their coach. We know they're, they're probably going, you know, going to make an all-in move. I wouldn't surprise me if they got one of these forwards that we've talked about. So that's the team I'm scared about the most. I think Edmonton and Winnipeg could be scary if they make the right moves, but they both need defense, and we've seen with Toronto in recent years, it's tough to make significant improvements defensively through a trade at the deadline. Like maybe Ekholm, if, if Ekholm goes to one of those teams, yeah, I'm a little bit scared. But I think Montreal's just the team that, with one addition, could look really good in a hurry. So I'm glad you brought up the points percentage because I don't know if I was watching SportsCenter or TSN, but the panel was talking about. They pretty much had Toronto, Winnipeg, and Edmonton as like for sure teams that were going to make the playoffs. And this was like as early as like two days ago. Okay. And then they said Ottawa, Mon- Vancouver, Calgary, and Montreal were like the teams that were in the bottom four. And I think that because Montreal obviously had that big losing streak and then they fired the coach, Calgary's obviously had their issues, Vancouver's had their issues, and Ottawa is an issue. So I. I think that sometimes like those types of narratives where you have these little losing streaks makes you think that teams are worse than they are. And like you said, like Montreal right now is 11, six and six. They have 28 points and they have three games in hand on Edmonton. Who's only two points ahead of them. 
Yep. And so, Ed- to, to add to that, Nick, they have the second best goal differential in the division to Toronto. And their biggest weakness is probably three on three overtime. They have six overtime slash shootout losses. There's no Jeez. three on three overtime in the playoffs, right? Where you look at Edmonton, who has zero overtime losses. So I, I just think that their problems are the most fixable. Like maybe the coaching staff comes in and fix their power play, or maybe they get a guy that really helps the power play. Like Paul Mary is really good on the power play. He's got a good shot. Um, I, I could certainly see them fixing their weaknesses where I think it's, it's more, it's difficult to kind of envision Winnipeg Edmonton fixing their weaknesses to the same degree. Now I do want to say this. Um, Montreal is getting pretty bad goaltending right now. Their special teams is bad. So there is some, especially with the goaltending, like there is some improvement there. Like Carey Price isn't going to stay that bad all season. Even if he increases, let's say like 10 to 15%, that's, that's huge. Yeah, they're, so Allen's playing well. So either Price gets better or they'll ride Allen. That's my guess. So the thing that I do want to say is that now while there is going to be some improvement there for Montreal, like if you look at the 5-on-5 shooting percentage for some of their better goal scorers, I'm just going to read it out here. So... Right now, Toffoli has 10 even-strength goals. He's shooting at 18%, 18.5. Josh Anderson has 9 goals in 20 games. He's shooting at 20%. Uh, and then we have Nick Suzuki, who has 4 even-strength goals, also in their top 6, 15%. Joel Armia, 4 goals, 16%. Jeff Petrie, 10%. Who, you know, Jeff Petrie is not going to be at 10% at the end How of the year. How about Philip Deneau? What's he at? Oh, he's at he's zero, at zero. Right? He's got no goal. So, so you might you might actually balance that out. <laughs> no, but the the point is is that you know it's pretty much a, a battle of regression. Like, what's going to go closer to the norm? Their their top players five on five shooting percentage or their their goaltending that might rise up. So I do think that Montreal is is in the top three in terms of this division. But uh, for me, the team that scares me the most is actually going to be Winnipeg, and I've tipped I've gone back and forth all year like to start the year i thought montreal was the second best team i I think they're top three but i think winnipeg kind of made some strides uh with that trade and and just in a playoff series like i think the leafs can beat montreal let's say seven times out of the special teams is too big for me there and i know that they they but it's fixable that's my point like i i hate how many people say like have they been bad though like but i do think they're gonna get potentially Caulfield, who could be an absolute star on the power play, and then they could get yeah. another star like Paul Mary. Like, that could change in a hurry. That's that's my fear with Montreal. Right. And, I, yeah, like, I, do I, agree, I think it's Nick, close. I, I do just, think it's close. Yeah. I do want to throw but, this in. People talk yeah. about Montreal as if, you know, the special teams, they just ignore the special teams. You can't do that. But I do think that they could legitimately fix those problems, and that's what scares me. Another thing that now that I'm thinking about it, it's like, you know that game that they lost 2-1, Gallagher scored at the end, that that weird tip that he put in? Okay, there was like yeah. two penalties that whole game. And sometimes that happens in the playoffs. So I do think the Leafs need to improve 5-on-5. Five five. And Montreal, I don't think are going to get worse at 5-on-5. Five five. Like, like, they were very good last year. They're very good this year at 5-on-5. Five five. So I think they're going to stay there. But Winnipeg, like that goaltending, like Halibut mm-hmm. scares me. I think that they have like they're pretty bad defensively, but Barry, that's what that's why I don't have them there because I think the Leafs could eat them up defensively. It'd be I opposite could just of see Columbus. Them, let's put it that way. They're the opposite of Columbus, but I could also see like 
them implementing a plan where they just pretty much sit back like how Columbus did. I don't think they're going to be as good as Columbus at doing it, but... No, like, not, I don't think like, they can. I think they have Vancouver, to... Vancouver pretty much sat back these last two games, and I don't want to use these two games as a as a template for how to beat the Leafs, but Vancouver pretty much sat back, and Demko had to make some big saves, but I definitely could see Hellebuck do that four out of six, seven games. Yeah, he scares me specifically, but... Um, and they have the offense. Like, they have the they offense, do. too. They have the shooting talent, yeah. but I just feel like the Leafs can, can just... I think the Leafs are so much better than them defensively that yeah, kind of like kind of like Edmonton. Like Edmonton has a ton of offensive firepower, but you know the Leafs can stop their offensive firepower yeah. better than vice versa. And I and I want to make one thing clear, like for the listeners, like I think both you and I both know that the Leafs can beat like these two teams, like both Montreal and Winnipeg. Like they're the clearer favorite in they're this the division, favorite. but yeah. yeah. But when we're comparing the two, I guess, you know. It is close, we're I'll have say to... that. And the other yeah. thing is we've only the Leafs have only played the Jets once and the next three games are actually against the Jets. So that is gonna be uh I guess it'll, it'll give us some good perspective to get a, a little bit better look at Winnipeg because the Leafs crushed them in the first game, I believe. Uh, if my memory is correct, and three straight games should give us a pretty good test. So um, I, I do think, I guess the last thing, I wouldn't mind Greenland or Stahl. I think those are the the backup options. Like, I don't think I'd trade for them today, but if if I know I'm not going to be in on Forsberg Hall, like if I know those guys are going to be definitely too expensive, then I'm going, like, I wouldn't mind them. Um, I like the versatility that, can, that they can, you know, flip between center and wing. Um, I just think it is it is going to be tough if you keep Kerfoot to fit them in. And then if you do trade Kerfoot, I don't know if they're good enough to really justify it. Like, I, I don't know if Granlund is moving the dial, especially if you're getting rid of Kerfoot. I don't know if it's a big enough improvement. But I do like Granlund. Like, he's a guy that I do prefer him to stall. I think I'm on a, a, in agreement with you there. Um He's a guy that's had 60-point seasons in the past. He hasn't played on very offensive teams. Uh, I actually think he's you know he's smaller, but he's a good playmaker. He's a good transition player. I, th- I think he's a better Kerfoot. So maybe I would trade him for Kerfoot. It'd be, I kind of have to think about that one. Um, maybe Stahl is the most likely, though, because Dubas seems to like... Uh, he's from Thunder Bay, which is you know northern Ontario, like the Sioux. He's older, and we've seen... <laughs> With Thornton and Spezza, so maybe maybe Stahl is the the way they go. I don't know. I, I just can't see it right now. I, I guess you know that's why I put him fifth in our little in our list. But I just can't see that trade. Like it just it's just such a it's such an odd trade based on the Dubis's trades in the past. But I guess this is a I guess it's a different season. Maybe I could be wrong here. I've been wrong before, Kevin. So maybe in terms of. <laughs> In terms of the lineup, let's say you get a Hall or you get a Palmieri. I my preference is to stack the second line. Like I think, I think you trust Matthews Marner to get to to create some offense on the first line. I think you put the player with Tavares. So I think you say, okay, this Tavares line is going to score in bunches, and then you because. They're not going to be able to. Your opponent can't match up against Tavares because you know their their best guys are going to be matching up against Matthews Marner. So I just think if you go with like a Hall Tavares Nylander line, that's the way to go. 
Um, perhaps you move Hyman up in the top six as well. We'll see. It kind of depends on how Thornton does. But I just think that would be so much more dangerous than Kerfoot, Tavares, Nylander. And I do think, you know, if that second line is scoring at a great rate, like if Tavares is what he looks like in, in, in his first year as a Leaf, this team is going to be pretty damn good. The number one thing that they need to figure out is getting that Tavares Nylander line. They're not going to, I mean, maybe they get to the level of, of Matthews Marner, how they were earlier this season, but you need to them to be an elite line in this league. And if they can do that, they're going to be a very tough team to play in the playoffs. So hundred percent, that new player needs to play with Nylander and Tavares. And the thing that you could do with Matthews and Marner, something keeps been doing all year is you can put Thornton there and he's been sprinkling in shifts of Hyman playing up on that first line, whether it's defensive zone start, um, whether they're down in the game, whether they're up in the game. Like he, he does a really good job of getting Hyman into that top line when Hyman's primarily on that third line. So I think that that's kind of the recipe uh, for success. You get that new player on that Tavares Nylander line, then you virtually ride out the, the Thornton Matthews Marner line for most of it, but you sprinkle in some some shifts with Hyman up there too. Yeah, okay. that's a tough team to play. Yeah, especially the way they are defensively, and they have a good power play. Uh, they have for years. Um, it is a very tough team, and I do think that making a decision like that would would certainly move the dial. Now, I don't want to trade Robertson. I don't want to trade Sandine. I don't want to trade Amirov. I, I would rather go. You know, I don't think that's going to take them for Hall, for example. So that's why I would kind of lean towards a Hall or Palmieri. Um, the other thing is the expansion draft. They don't play into it too much. Um, that's why I think rentals are a little bit more valuable this year as opposed to, to other years. Just because, you know, you don't have to protect the player in the expansion draft. It's a little bit of a, you know, for a player like Forsberg, though, you're going to protect him anyways. Like, you'll bite the bullet for him. Uh, but I do think it is a year we might see more... We always see rentals, but I think even someone like Dubas might be more inclined to go for a rental uh, as a result. The other thing, Nick, um, I, I think we agree. I think Nylander's been their best player in the last you know, five games. Um, so I am glad Tavares looks better as well. I am glad that line's starting to click. I do think they could improve on the left side in Kerfoot. I think you know this podcast has kind of emphasized that. But the three games here against Winnipeg, how many points do you need to be happy? It is the one versus two. Uh, it it does look like the Leafs are going to be relatively healthy. I hope. Um, how many points? It's between it's between Tuesday and Saturday, so they play every other day starting Tuesday. How many points are you looking for in that Winnipeg series? I'm actually going to go with three, a little lower than usual. Um, to be happy, I think Winnipeg's a good team right now, and and but. It would just be so cool. Like I, I feel like Edmonton when they played Edmonton, like, like people were seriously considering Edmonton as the second best team in this in this division, and then they just got crushed, obviously, by the Leafs, and they were kind of brought back to the Reality. room where the rest of the the division is. And if the Leafs could take like five out of six points, or even win all three of these games against Winnipeg, I think it'd be awesome. Like it would be well, obviously, it'd be awesome, but it'd be awesome to see them literally crush Edmonton, bring them back down to reality, and then do the same thing with Winnipeg. Okay, I'm going to go with four. I think you need to win this series. They lost two against Vancouver. I, I want a series win, and that takes four points, so I'm going with four. We uh, haven't had enough of those series wins this year. No, One series lost, and we are, we're, 
We're up in arms over here. I am upset. Let's put that, that should way. be the next article. Your next <laughs> article. <laughs> I am upset. So, you know, if, next time we're recording, we could be in a bit of a panic. Like, if they, what if they get swept by Winnipeg? And then we have five straight losses? This could be a completely different. We might be selling. We might be saying, okay, we're selling Zach Hyman. We'll see, we'll see what happens here. First line, just put, like, Ovchinikov, Amirov, and like Robertson for the rest of the year. Just bring them all to North America. I just completely so. Our next our next podcast is going to be a trade though, Kevin. That's what I'm that's my prediction. It's going to be our trade uh, reaction. I like it. I like I'm it. I'm going this week. I think it's going to be this week or next week as a lot of people are saying, but I'm going to go I think it's going to be in the next couple of days hopefully. Okay, what's your what's your prediction on on Hugh? Uh, who do you want to I, guess? I already, I already wasted all of my. That was all my energy going into that prediction. Uh, <laughs> I mean, like my my brain would tell me it's going to be a guy like Paul Mary, okay. like kind of closer to like your and and then like half the time like with Dubis especially like we haven't really been super surprised with his big deals. Like when he got Muzzin, it was like oh former Sioux guy, a guy that kind of you know makes sense like the type of guy that. Dubis would like when they got mm-hmm. Brody like we already had all the rumors from the year before that they were going to get him he was a UFA he was kind of the easiest route to get him mm-hmm. so Campbell former suit like it's always someone that Campbell when they there. really needed a goalie yeah like they really needed a goalie so he hasn't really caught us off guard like maybe the Galchenyuk one's like one of the bigger surprises I guess so I'm going to go with Granlin I think the most obvious answer is probably the the right answer when it comes to Dubas most of the time. So I'll go Grandland. I'll uh, I'll believe Elliot Friedman here, which is probably a good reason to do so. He's awesome. I was going to guess Grandland. So you took mine. Um, I'll Just go... guess Hall. <sighs> You'll be a hero if uh, your prediction status I want... will... I was going to say stall, but you know what? You convinced me. We're going Taylor Hall. I wrote the article. I took, I took a lot of heat for that. He is a controversial player, and I think people's tones will will change in a hurry if the deal actually happens because he's a very good player and watch him play and I, I think he'll change a lot of opinions in about one to two periods. I think people will be flipping on on their opinions of Hall. So yeah, I'll, I'll go with Hall. He's lived in Matthew's house. He trains with Tavares, same agent as Marner. I I think the, the stars are aligning here. I'll go with him. I think that was the only guy that didn't give you uh didn't give you trouble. So I guess that's why we do a podcast together though. Well, thanks everyone for listening, and we'll see everybody next week with a trade podcast, we're hoping. Hopefully. See everyone next week.